March 21st. Our Bible reading today in the New Testament will come from the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 31, and we'll go through chapter 5, verse 11. Here in the book of Luke, chapter 4, beginning at verse 31, we'll read about the healer. You know, Jesus fulfilled his commission by bringing healing and deliverance to the poor and needy by the authority of his word. Had he not overcome the devil privately, well, Jesus could not have defeated him publicly. Same is true in our lives. While the preaching of the word was his major ministry, Jesus had compassion on the sick and he healed them. We may not have the power to heal, but He does, and we can comfort and assist those who are needy, and we can do it all in Jesus' name. You know, Jesus responds to submission. It's not enough to believe in God. People say, oh yes, I believe in the Lord. Well, that's not really the question. The question is, who is Jesus Christ to you? Is He your Lord? Do you bow to Him? Do you submit your will? the totality of your life to the Lordship of Christ. That's the real question. Now, if you had fished all night and caught nothing, would you be getting ready to go fishing again, go out there and try it again? Well, one reason Jesus called several fishermen to be his disciples was that they never quit. Peter may have thought he knew more about fishing than Jesus did, but he did what Jesus commanded, and the Lord honored his obedient faith. See, no failure is final if you come to the Lord for a new start. And now let's begin our reading today, here in the New Testament. March 21st, Luke chapter 4, verse 31, through chapter 5, verse 11. Then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There, too, the people were amazed at the things he said, because he spoke with authority. Once, when he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon began shouting at Jesus, Go away! Why are you bothering us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Jesus cut him short. Be silent, he told the demon. Come out of the man. The demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched. Then it left him without hurting him further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, What authority and power this man's words possess! Even evil spirits obey him and flee at his command. The story of what he had done spread like wildfire throughout the whole region. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, he spoke to the fever, rebuking it, and immediately her temperature returned to normal. She got up at once and prepared a meal for them. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed every one. Some were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command, shouting, you are the Son of God! But because they knew He was the Messiah, He stopped them and told them to be silent. Early the next morning, Jesus went out into the wilderness. The crowds searched everywhere for Him. And when they finally found Him, 
They begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other places too, because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around, preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper, and let down your nets, and you will catch many fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, we'll try again. And this time, their nets were so full, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the size of their catch, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Think about with me how can the death of Jesus on a wooden cross really pay the price for all of your sins for sins of all people who will trust in him how can his death on a cross really do that and I want you to listen to me very closely please don't tune out like two sentences into this follow me the whole way we are not saved from our sins because Jesus was falsely tried and accused by men and sentenced to death we are not saved from our sins because Jesus had nails thrust into his hands and feet by Roman persecutors we are not saved from our sins by all of these things that we preachers love to glamorize about the crucifixion we're not saved because a crown of thorns was thrust into his head a spear thrust into his side this is not what saves us this is not what Jesus was cowering about in the garden as he sweated tears of blood this is not what Jesus was agonizing over. Do you think it's because he was afraid of a wooden cross? Or a Roman nail? That he went through what he went through in the garden? Because he was afraid of crucifixion? I mean, think about it. In the history of Christianity, there have been countless men and women who have sacrificed their lives 
some in seemingly more horrible ways. There were people in the first century who were not just crucified on a cross. Once they were crucified there, they were burned on the cross. Their bodies became lamps for those who walked by. Many of them were on their crosses singing. You look at one Christian in India who was skinned alive and as he was being skinned alive said, I thank you for this. This is what he's telling his persecutor. I thank you for this. Tear off my old garment. I will soon soon put on Christ's garment of righteousness. Christopher Love's wife wrote to him today, you will dress yourself in your wedding garment. They will sever you from your physical head, but they cannot sever you from your spiritual head, Christ. And he went to the gallows with his wife applauding him and him singing about glory. Do we really think they're more courageous than Christ? Weeping in the garden? Jesus was not. Was not. Sweating blood through his pores because he was afraid of a Roman wooden cross. Hear his words. Father, let this cup pass from me. Is not talking about a wooden cross or a Roman nail. You go through the Old Testament and you see Isaiah chapter 51 talking about the cup that we drink that is full of God's wrath. You see Jeremiah chapter 25 verse 15, the cup that is filled with the wine of God's wrath. Revelation chapter 16 verse 19, a cup filled with the wine of the fury of God's wrath. The picture we have in Scripture is a cup. This cup is a picture of the wrath of God, the fury of God. What saves us is not nails that were put in his hands and his feet. What saves us is not a crown of thorns that was put in his head. What saves us is when the wrath of Almighty God was thrust on Jesus Christ like a torrent. Preachers say, God turned away because he could not see the sight of these soldiers persecuting his son. That is not why he turned away. He turned away because he saw your sin on his son. And all the righteous and holy anger and the righteous and holy hatred of sin due toward you as a sinner and me as a sinner was all of a sudden in that moment poured out on his one and only son. David, did you just say hatred? Yes, hatred. God loves all that is righteous and holy, and as such, he hates all that is the opposite. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I are the opposite. And in that moment, God poured out the fury of his wrath. This is the language Scripture uses upon his Son. And as one preacher described it, it is as if... You were standing a hundred yards in front of a dam 10,000 miles high and 10,000 miles wide that is filled to the brim with water. And in one instant, that wall is taken away and that water comes flooding right towards you. And right before it gets to you, all of a sudden the ground in front of your feet suddenly swallows up every ounce of that water and leaves you standing there. Ladies and gentlemen, at the cross, Jesus Christ took the cup of God's wrath and he drank every drop of it. And when he had finished the last drop, he turned the cup over and said, it is finished. 
and it's finished. Jesus' death satisfied the wrath of God. That is good news. And it's really good news. God, help us not to cheapen that good news. Psalm 64, verses 1 through 10. We'll read about David's fear of the enemy here in this psalm today. You know, the king asked to be preserved not from the enemy, but from the fear of the enemy. Fear and faith cannot live in the same heart. If the enemy can make you afraid, well, he has almost won the battle. You see, a calm heart makes a confident soldier. We'll read about the enemy's fear of nothing. They do not fear, says in verse 4. Uh, their words are like swords and arrows, David wrote. And they said hidden traps. It looks like David is defeated. But then read on. The fear of the Lord, but God. Two of my favorite words in Scripture, but God. He's the turning point in the story. He's always the turning point in our story as well. Because when the enemy least expects it, God shoots at them. And guess what? God hits his target every time. God is the perfect archer. And they fall into their own traps. All men shall fear, and the righteous be glad. Psalm chapter 64, verses 1 through 10. For the choir director, a psalm of David. O God, Listen to my complaint. Do not let my enemies' threats overwhelm me. Protect me from the plots of the wicked, from the scheming of those who do evil. Sharp tongues are the swords they wield. Bitter words are the arrows they aim. They shoot from ambush at the innocent, attacking suddenly and fearlessly. They encourage each other to do evil and plan how to set their traps. Who will ever notice, they ask. As they plot their crimes, they say, We have devised the perfect plan. Yes, the human heart and mind are cunning, but God himself will shoot them down. Suddenly his arrows will pierce them. Their own words will be turned against them, destroying them. All who see it happening will shake their heads in scorn. Then everyone will stand in awe, proclaiming the mighty acts of God realizing all the amazing things he does. The godly will rejoice in the Lord and find shelter in him, and those who do what is right will praise him. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22. A woman who is beautiful but lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. <laughs> 